Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Polarizer Podcast. My guest today is Benjamin Stanford, also known as Dub FX. He is a Australian musician and worldwide street performer, and he was in Amsterdam this week, and I managed to talk to him for half an hour, which was pretty cool. We talked about his music, of course, the tour and the general lifestyle of being an international artist, which I found pretty interesting. We had about half an hour to talk, so every now and then the jump to a different subject might be a little bit more abrupt than you're used to compared to other episodes, but that that is just because we were on a time constraint, and I'm sure if we had unlimited time, we would be talking for three hours because we uh, we seem to hit it off pretty well, so... Thanks again for coming on, Benjamin. I hope to talk to you soon in the future. But first, I'm going to tell you about an iPhone app that's designed for people with food allergies. This app is called Alert, A-L-L-E-R-T. It's in the iPhone App Store right now, and it can generate an allergy flashcard in 44 different languages with any of the 14 most common food allergies. So that means if you are allergic to peanuts and dairy and eggs and nuts and, let's say, shellfish, and you're traveling to Indonesia, you just select those allergies that you have, and then you select Indonesian, and boom, you have an allergy card right in your phone that's always with you. That means there's no more need to get printouts or, or order allergy cards that you have to take with you and that you have to have on you all the time. You, or, you already have your phone on you anyway, so why not use that? And the good thing is there's no data required to use it. So even if you are in the sticks or in the jungle somewhere in a country where you don't speak the language, you can use this app and show people what you're allergic to. I have personally used this app when I traveled through Indonesia and Japan and Thailand. I'm allergic to dairy and peanuts, so I got to watch out for those, especially peanuts in uh, in Asia. And I used an early version of this app and it worked so great that a friend and I decided to get to work and we developed this iPhone app in over the course of 3 years. It's uh so yeah, I recommend you check that out. Alert, A-L-L-E-R-T, in the iOS App Store right now. And this show is also brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast consumer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, and entrepreneurs. Through a wide array of products and supplements, Onnit combines cutting-edge science, earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies to help people reach peak performance. Whether you are climbing mountains or biking down them, building businesses or closing sales, changing personal records in the weight room or running a marathon, Onnit is the brand you want in your back pocket. As one of the fastest-growing health and fitness companies in the world, Onnit refuses anything but the best to market. Whether it be energy bars, protein shakes, creatine, or their flagship product AlphaBrain, Onnit's diverse lineup of products and supplements are backed by science and research. You can save up to 10% by visiting onnit.com and using promo code POLARIZER. That's P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E-R, written in the American way. So onnit.com, POLARIZER for 10% off, or you can click the link on the polarizer.com to uh, to get that same discount on checkout
And if you're on thepolarize.com, sign up for a newsletter so you never miss one of these awesome podcasts. And if you happen to shop on Amazon, most of us do these days, go to thepolarize.com and use the Amazon link to give us a little kickback on your next purchase. It doesn't cost you anything and it uh, helps us a little bit. So those kinds of little things help keep the show on the air because it costs quite a bit of time and some cash to create this thing and keep this thing going. So without further ado, here's Dub FX. Yeah, no worries. All good. All right. Can you hear that? Yeah. Okay, well, we'll just yeah. wait for this chaos. It's okay. Whispering's not going to help with plastic ruffles. Let's see, I'm going to just push on air, airplane mode. And airplane mode. Yeah. I am on silent. How far in, into the tour are you? The tour started on the... 14th, was it, Kairos? We flew in on the 14th of Feb. No, that was... 20, Valentine's Day. That's Valentine's Day. It wasn't Valentine's Day because I spent Valentine's Day with my no, missus. 26, wasn't it? I could tell you instantly. I arrived on the 20th. 20th into Glasgow. All right. So that's technically the beginning of the tour. Okay. Being in another country. Cool. Thanks, bro. All right, man. Sweet. Mr. Uh, Mr. Dub or Mr. FX or Benjamin. What, Benjamin, what, what do you Ben, prefer? Dub FX, whatever you want to call me, man. It doesn't really matter right. as long as it gets my attention. All right. Well, thanks uh, Thanks for doing this. Uh, I know you're undoubtedly very busy. I don't know what it's like to be a rock star. So. Uh, well, I'm not a rock star, that's for sure. Well, I mean, or, or Dub, like, what would, how would you classify this genre? Because it's, I find it, the first time I heard it, I knew I liked it, but I found it hard to put it into a category into a box yeah. yeah that's interesting you say that i've because i've always been multi-genre in my the way i listen to music i've never been like when i was in high school it was you have to choose are you into hip-hop are you into grunge or are you into techno you know now there's so many different genres within electronic music that you can say i don't like house but i do like drum bass but back then it was techno you know right. like anything electronic and um i remember thinking but i like hip-hop i like grunge and i like techno like I like all of it I don't understand why I have to choose so at the beginning like I, I don't know I've always wanted to make lots of different genres of music and so my music is probably that but you know what these days the millennials they don't give a shit about genres <laughs> you know they, they listen to playlists that have gone all over the shop so I don't think uh, the whole idea of genre is sort of slowly melting away and it's more about what does this artist represent right you know? and that's kind of I guess what I am as well I'm probably one of the not one of the first artists, but um, definitely in the beginning, one of the beginning stages of probably melting away those boundaries, I guess. Okay. And, like and other artists. And what do you, or what would you like to represent as an artist? My main message in my music. Oh, here's sound test in the background. Yeah. Yeah, we're backstage. So. Back, we are backstage. Yeah. My main message in my music, I guess you could say unconsciously, has become self-empowerment. 
that's the one thing. I write a lot of songs and I write a lot about a lot of different things, but the songs that resonate most with people seem to be the ones about self-improvement, self-empowerment, self-reflection, self, um, uh, self-love, you know, being able to, you know, because I think, and I know, I know that sounds kind of narcissistic to start, stick the word self in front of all those things, but I believe honestly that if everybody was to have, to, 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 to figure out how to self-improve themselves and ask the right questions and not be completely steered by the media or by other people or whatever, and to be completely, you know, um, strong in their own mind and understanding of what they like and what they don't like, the world would be a much better place. The problem is we're too easily influenced by people and media. And I think that's why the planet is the way it is, the way our society is. So I feel like even I'm not telling people what you need to do. I'm telling, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, you need to think like this. You need to think like that. I'm saying you should just meditate and see what makes sense. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of my message. Self-improvement, self-empowerment. So just be a good person and, and uh, the if that's can what, change by one individual. And well, that's the obvious response because it's like if you say, all right, what do you think is the best version of yourself? Yeah. That's going to be the best version of humanity right? at the end of the day. But it, it changes from society to society. It changes from country to country. It changes from age group to age group. But as long as you're doing your best to be the best version of yourself, if everyone was doing that, which most people don't, and a lot of people do it, don't they don't do it because they're unconscious of it. A lot of people just seems to kind of seem to kind of flow through life. It seems and very so. opportunistic. Hmm. I'm a, everyone's opportunistic from time to time. Yeah, but um, you know, it's well, I, I took the opportunity to send an email to your management, and here we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, opportunistic in the way that like they will they will step on somebody else to get something for themselves oh, right. that they yeah. might not even need. Well, that opportunistic, I mean it in a negative way. Of course, if you're yeah. if you're, what you did is a good thing because you know you're move, you're making moves to do things something that's positive in the end you know what i mean that's, yeah. if your end, if your end goal is to step on everybody else and monopolize a market then of course you're setting a premise for a really terrible society right but if your idea is no i just want to improve the world around me by doing my best then how could you do something negative you know what i mean yeah that's a good point yeah Okay. And if you do come across that you're doing something that is negative, like, then you can easily change that, you know? You can always fix things, you know? Right. Yeah. It's always a process. Okay. Um, and what... Uh, yeah, Sorry, I'm, I'm totally veering off. No, no, it's it's great. I mean, normally, like, these conversations, I, I would normally... I, I, I think we could talk for, like, three hours, but Probably. I know we only got a little bit of time, so... Um, I, I have a couple questions in my head and kind of things that I'd like to ask you, so, so sorry for the abrupt... Segway. Go for it. Um, I, I read that you were in a uh, in a band and that that started your musical career, uh, sorta, and and eventually you went to Italy. And c can you tell me how you, where how how you get started and how you how you okay became? I, I'll try and break it down into a shorter ver the shortest version possible, but please forgive me if it goes <laughs> takes a while because it's a long process. It's like, yeah. So I was me and Cade, my manager, who you just met. He, uh, we met in high school when we were 15 years old and we were playing punk rock. That was like what we were doing when we were 15, right? And then we decided to move to a different school because I had a better music program and there was other musicians there. There was no one really at my school that was interested in playing music like we were. 
So we went to this other school and that's when we met loads of other musicians and we had really good music teachers and good music programs, facilities where they taught you how to produce. Like I started learning how to use Cubase when I was 17 at this high school, you know. That's uh, nearly 20 nearly 20 years ago, 19 years ago, I've been using Cubase. So um, that was the beginning of me realizing, oh, there is actually a way that you can have success in the music industry. Because the music teacher was really clever. He was like, look, you can go down this route, you could go down this route, and they're explaining them all because he's been in the industry for a long time. So I left high school very inspired with, and me and Cade were in a band called Twitch, which then turned into a band called Never or Now, which was like a reggae, it started off as like a reggae punk band and it turned into this dub metal band, like a really heavy band. And then I also got to know all these jazz musicians at the same time, and then I, and I was jamming with those guys. Then I was also in this hip hop soul band, um, and I was in that band, and I was also emceeing over house and breakbeat. Um, as soon as I finished high school, I started getting into all these different things. And I was really, because I was really into like taking pills and going and listening to breaks and techno. <laughs> I was, I was, tw- I was nine, 18 years old, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was also, also going to these metal gigs and listening to metal bands. And I was also loving reggae. There wasn't a lot of reggae nights, but I'd go to these hip hop nights. I'd play a little bit of reggae and dub. And I was just really interested in all these different genres. But I kind of could tell that I have a very, my brain, works slightly different to everybody in that not everybody but it it's kind of i can get on people's nerves because i expect greatness out of everybody i work with i don't want people to give me a half-assed version of themselves i want people to go all in if you're gonna we're gonna make you in a band together you gotta put all your energy and all your time into it and that can piss a lot of people off um can be quite demanding you know when i read about steve jobs i'm like yeah i understand exactly what he means you know i mean he probably was a bit of a cunt about it i try not to be you know hurt people's feelings about it but i just realized you know what all of these people all these bands have small ideas they don't they're very small time with it it's never going to go anywhere i could tell Hmm. so i packed my bags and i left europe in 2006 um, and so, I, gra- I graduated high school in 2001. So five years later, after trying with all these different bands and, and really doing all these and learning about the genres, learning about my abilities on as a stage, as a singer, as a stage performer, using these effects over my vocals, all of that stuff was amazing for me. But then I, you, I came to Europe and that's when I started WFX. And then were you, uh, were you living off your music back then or did you? No, no, I was working in cafes. Um, I was on the dole. Um, I would, I was lo- doing lots of things. I basically, I was on the dole and then I had cash in hand gigs. Right. <laughs> but you know, when you're 19, that's what you do in Australia. That's what you can do in Australia. Every six months you have to go in and prove that you just can't get a job. And every now and then, every now and then they help you get a job because it's really easy to get a job. Like I could have easily got a job, but I just didn't, I wanted to work on music. It's impossible yeah. to, to work on music if you're working to pay rent. Cause I was living on my own as well. I wasn't yeah. living with my family, my friend, my parents. So, you know, being on the dole gave me at least half my week to then work on music. The other half, I would work at cafes and stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> I know, it's intense Testing place. Some <laughs> yeah. But, um, so yeah, that's what I did. And then when I, start, when I came to Europe and I started street performing, on my first day street performing, I made 250 euros, right, just busking on the street in Italy. That's good. I was like, whoa, that's the same amount it would take me to make in a week working in cafes because that's like four five hundred dollars yeah at the time australian and that's what i would work that's what i was earning for the week 
for 500 and I was like man one in three hours I made a week's wages like I'm gonna do this forever and that was basically the beginning of my journey and realizing that the potential is out there I just have to figure it out and work on it right cool and this is also where you uh, met with Mr. Woodnote or that was in Australia or I met Woodnote a few years later like the first I met him about three years in so I, I started in 2006 um, and I met Woodnote around the end of 2008. Okay. So I guess you could say two uh, two years, but nearly three. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first um, video I saw of you with um, uh, Flow, that, that song. A friend showed it to me. It was like, wow, what is this? This is awesome. And um, yeah, that, that, that I thought it was just so cool. Such a unique, uh, it's it's a very unique way of making music because you, for for those who don't, who are listening, who, who don't know, it's you, you layer music uh, you put multiple layers on top of each other with a looping panel yeah with my voice yeah so you beatbox to lay it on a beat and then you you use your voice to make a or you can probably explain much better than I do well it's a really hard thing to pr explain actually <laughs> unless you, you just have to show people that was yeah. the interesting thing when YouTube came along it was the perfect medium for me because excuse me if you were to say to somebody, oh, this guy makes all this music by looping his voice, they can't picture it, they can't, and, and then you show the music, you listen to it, they're like, oh, I, I still don't understand. But if you see a video yeah. where someone is doing, it's so transparent, you're like, whoa, excuse me. You're like, whoa, that's amazing, That's that. They, now you get it. Yeah. So it was because of YouTube that was the perfect, it was just the perfect storm because YouTube was, was the beginning stages in 2006. It came out in 2006, I'm pretty sure, or was it late 2005? Anyway. Before, yeah, something like that. Facebook yeah. came out like 2008 or something like that? I think it was before Facebook. I was definitely before, yeah. already doing it before Facebook. I was using MySpace at the time. Right. And I was doing really well on MySpace and I was doing really well. And on YouTube, I didn't even think about because I was like, it's just people putting up videos of their friends and whatever. I didn't think much of it. Yeah. And other people put me up on there. That video flow and love someone, the two biggest videos that I've got there, they're like, they were on, they're on somebody else's channel. In fact, a lot of my videos were on other people's channels. I didn't realize there was any revenue making in it anyway. Now- Well, those have like 30 million views. So totally. So maybe you should make some calls. <laughs> I'm good friends with BD, who oh, made the okay. videos, and we're, we were still friends. And in return for it being on his channel and him monetizing on those, he makes me free videos whenever I want. And those free um, videos will go on my channel. So we have an understanding. That's a good deal. Yeah, and he's also a, um, he's an amazing filmmaker, and he's also, um, you know, is it's because of him in a way that my success went from only being a street performer to being a worldwide festival and club show act. Yeah. I mean, I was already doing the festivals and the club shows from people who saw me in the street and I was already making loads of money on the street. I was selling 400 CDs a, a week for 10 euros each. That's, uh, that's good. That's great money. Yeah. I was doing really well and I was living in a van traveling around. So financially, I had no problems, but bookings weren't coming in and if people did want to book me they were like hey i'll pay you 50 euros to come and play my gig you're a street performer that's great right it's like <laughs> no it's not actually i would prefer to save my voice save my energy and go busking on sunday and make 300 pounds you know wait 800 pounds actually mm. you know what i mean so it was one of those things but then of course youtube comes along and promoters in eastern europe are like hey this is really cool i want to book you and then i started performing eastern europe. The, mainly eastern europe is where it began interesting yeah oh. What do you think the reason for that is? I think it was the perfect storm. Um, I think my lyrics 
I think, first of all, the USSR left people very savvy as far as sharing. Yeah. Eastern Europe were already good with bootlegging things and passing things on to people. They were already, when they had this media of YouTube and all stuff, passing those videos around was second nature to them. In the West, we're a lot more spoon-fed. We're yeah. waiting for the media and the radio and the TV to tell us, we don't know where to go looking for it. Right, although that's changing now, I think. It's changing and it's sort of, it's, it's, it's molting into different things because people are still very much spoon-fed. Maybe not by mainstream media, but we're becoming spoon-fed by other things, whether it's podcasts or whether it's, uh, you know, Sp- Spotify or whether it's YouTube. YouTube's algorithms are now telling us what to watch. We're still, be- we're being spoon-fed constantly. That's true. Yeah, and what, what they also did uh, semi-recently is they, all the mainstream media channels are on there and they get priority over the old stuff. Exactly. Uh, like the net, the, the user-generated stuff. So you're still getting your CNN and your, you know, Exactly. Yeah. And that's, and of course that was going to happen. Yeah. Of course that was going to happen. In the, uh, luckily for me, in the very beginning stages, you know, I had, it was, it was organic. It was completely organic. You know, I built up 600,000 Facebook fans really quickly through YouTube. I built up, I, we've still got a screenshot where my video, Love Someone, was the most liked video on YouTube. Really? Yeah. And it had my video, and then it had Beyonce, and then it had someone else, <laughs> blah, blah. And there was one in the world, and there was one in the UK. I had both, number one, on both those things. And that was completely organic. That's very cool. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, so, and I th- that was when I think I and a few other artists who had similar success on the, this first wave of YouTube and independent sort of social media success, there was a bunch of us that all had it at the same time. And I think the record labels shat themselves. The publicist agencies shat themselves. You know, radio, everyone, TV, they're like, holy shit. Artists now can go in the street, build up their own audience, and then sell directly to their fans with social media. Facebook is your record label. YouTube is your radio station. You know, you don't, we don't, they don't need us anymore. And so that's why they pressured these big, companies like YouTube and Facebook, et cetera, to lend their algorithms to focusing more on the big conglomerates like CNN and whatnot. And right. that's, it was always going to go there. It was just a matter of time. But you're uh, completely independent, right? Well, actually, because of the fact that all these algorithms come in, if I used to be able to post something and get six, 7,000 comments in, a, in a half an hour, Right, because I got six hundred thousand followers on on Facebook. Right, I just post something, and boom, it exploded. And then I remember one day it just changed. Mm. It went from six to seven thousand comments to twenty. Right, overnight. I remember it. It was around two thousand and twelve. That was when it all changed. So you need to pay to get it boosted. Of course, you got to pay to get it boosted. But there wasn't even pay to get boosted yet. It just they just started thinning it out. And then they're saying, hey, look, you're not getting so many posts. Look how many comments you're getting. Like, you need to pay. If you pay, you'll boost. And then they go to server farms. They go to friends of friends, not the actual fans. Yeah. And so if I was to release an album, I could I could live off that without having to tour because I could just say to my 600,000 fans, hey, look, here's an album. It's 10 euros. That would get me going for a couple of years. I'd be fine. 
if, if, if even 20% of them bought that, I'd be fine. But that, you can't do that anymore. So I have to use publicists again. Mm. I have to use an agency to get me gigs now because mm. my YouTube videos don't just pop up on people's channels like they used to. I have to use a record label to people get people to, so, you know, I'm not independent really anymore at all because, I mean, I did release my latest album independently, but my last album I used a record label just to see what the difference would be. Okay. And I'm noticing a difference. If you use a record label, you get, you get put on Spotify playlists much easier, which is where the money's at these days. You need to be on Spotify playlists if you wanna be known because you okay. think, yeah, how does that work? Like, do you Nobody get like knows. X amount of money for X amount of plays or something? Or Look, it's very rigged and no one really makes any money out of Spotify, but we all use it. I use Spotify. I've got a premium account, you know. Yeah. So I, I love the fact that I can listen to any album at any moment. If someone says, you should check out this artist, I can just download the album instantly. Yeah. That's amazing. It's shit that the artists don't make any money off it, really, that much. Um, but it's great how cheap it is for me to use. So I understand. Like, it's a compromise. I think personally that as long as you can put on a great show and you can sell tickets to your show, that's where the money is. And that's where the money was always at. Even, okay, when I was independent and I would release an album, I was making loads of money selling my CD to people on the street and through, you know, Facebook. I was, that all changed. But if I was signed to a record label back then, the record labels would give you 10% of what the record makes. But first you got to pay back the 400 grand that you owe them with that 10%. So the label would say, you know, here's a million dollars, I want you to make an album, say, right? If you, your album has to make, um, basically has to make, you have to make a hundred grand out of your 10%, so that the album, okay, I'm confusing myself right now. But put it this way, you'd have to sell, yeah, the math isn't coming to me because my brain's like thinking about something else. But the point is you would have to, the album would have to make a million dollars before you could then pay back. Yeah, you have to pay them back. You have to pay them back. Sorry. Okay, here we go. Okay, so so they they basically. I think the album has to make ten million. Yeah. For you to pay back the million dollars they lent you. Does that right. make sense? Yeah. Because they're saying here's a million. You have to pay me a million dollars back with the ten percent that this album makes. Right. That's right. how it always was for huh. a lot of artists. So a lot of artists went bankrupt. The uh, the small few that went through and made their album made ten million. Right, because if it's Guns N' Roses, Metallica, whatever, they'll make 50 million, 100 million, right? Yeah. And so they can pay it back and some, they got money, but a lot of artists just <laughs> fell flat and went bankrupt. That was how it was for a lot of artists. So a lot of artists made money performing and that's where they made most of their cash. Mm, and merchandise. Merchandise, and, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's not really that different. If, if it's Whether it's a record label, whether it's Spotify making all the money, the artist still doesn't make money. It still just, kind yeah. of sounds the same, yeah, like it's Spotify. It's not much different, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Sorry about that. You might have to edit that to make it sound no, like you no, sound smarter. It, it, it's all, no, it's, it's kind of, I mean, um, what does your day look like? I mean, you're on the bus all the time. I can imagine you get pretty tired from touring. Yeah, yeah. so we do things pretty different to a lot of bands because again, we don't really go with what the mainstream, what people expect you to do. A lot of the agent, as soon as we signed to the agent, to the touring agency, they're like, oh, you need to get a sleeper bus and you need to do this, like, you know, the big sleeper bus downstairs out the front, the big long ones. Yeah. And I'm like, I did the maths. I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm ever gonna do that. That that's, doesn't make any sense. Like we, we, bought, we rent a little van, there's eight of us, and we all travel in this little van and we stay in hotels every night. Uh, that's, I mean, and that's cheaper to have your own room at night and, and have a shower. And a nice room, shower, yeah. A nice shower and you have a nice bed. It's cheaper to do that than to rent one of these buses because the buses cost like 
I think it's like 1300 euros a day wow just to rent the bus plus the driver plus the fuel yeah so in a 30 day trip you're spending 40 grand minimum wow more you know 50 grand just on the bus and the driver and the petrol that they do, and they guzzle a lot of fuel whereas Seems I can spend waste, yeah. yeah whereas I can spend this eight there's eight of us we can get four hotel rooms nice hotel rooms for 100 euros each a night that's 400 euros a night 60 euros in petrol and it costs about 80 euros a day for the anyway point is it's like under 300 400 euros for us per day hmm. to, to do move around like this and it's way more comfortable and I've always done that every that's just one small example of how we keep costs low and keep everyone rejuvenated and feeling fresh because when you've got 10 people living in one of those sleeper buses it's pretty pretty close on top of each other people yeah. say i've heard people go and they don't tour like that and they, they use the toilet in the middle of the night and there's a river of piss on the floor <laughs> and you just your socks getting soaked in piss oh, it's no. disgusting <laughs> and everyone's drinking you can hear people snoring people having sex people doing it's like it's you just can't relax yeah i don't know how they do it so i just buy i i don't mind about not having days off i can do five shows in a row i enjoy that but i need sleep i need to be able to go to have a sleep in a bed and yeah everything's fine do you uh, do you get to enjoy the places you go or is it just uh, play a show get on the road next? pretty much like for example we were just in groningen for three days oh yeah loved North. it it's loved nice it. isn't it yeah, yeah. i've never been there before um it's like an a small amsterdam with way less people no tourists and people are chill more chilled out um, i guess you could say that yeah. i didn't really have much interactions with the general people i mean apart from you know people making me coffee and right. cafes and stuff but i try to keep to myself a lot of the time on tour um anyway i'm pretty you know i just hang with my crew and we go out and stuff you know but um yeah no i really loved it so every now and then we'll have a few free days and we get to see wherever we are we get to see that spot but no mostly speaking it's backstage on stage hotel room van that's the daily grind do you end with uh, with a holiday sometimes or just stay sometimes. a week in greece or italy or something yeah well like last year when i did this tour same exact tour we i, I flew to bali after the tour nice. and met and met my wife and my kid there that's kind of the one of the main vacation spots for australia right it's amazing it's yeah. a beautiful spot yeah, yeah. it's I surfing love it. and everything yeah, it's, yeah good surf it's beautiful some good beaches you've got to find the good beaches but it's mainly more about the forests and the the food and the there's lots of yoga play it's it's cool if you want to if you're a bogan you just want to drink alcohol and get pissed and be a dickhead there's yeah. that if you want to be a surfy and go surfing every day and have you know hipster breakfasts and shit there's that if you want to go to like do yoga every day and concentrate on being as healthy as possible you can go find that yeah if you just want to ride around on a vespa and go to monkey parks and see monkeys and you know have it's got that as well yeah and it's beautiful it's beautiful yeah. it's a beautiful spot yeah some of your songs are about uh, getting away from society and going into the woods and going to nature and and so I can imagine that Bali is a good place uh, mm -hmm. for that is your goal to eventually move into like a beautiful house somewhere on an island or somewhere in, in the jungle kind of away from from the busyness well, or? that is where I've been living for the last seven years I bought a house in Australia in the forest of Melbourne in Olinda and it's uh, it's a rainforest and I've been, it's like, my house feels like a tree house. 
Oh man, that's yeah. such wonderful. <laughs> it's beautiful, and it's it's an amazing spot. The oxygen, the air is so not so sweet, and um, I really it's like a sanctuary. Um, when there's no, I can't see any neighbors, can't hear anyone, just birds. Yeah, that's um, awesome. Just me, my dog, and my wife. But sadly, we've just sold the house, and we're moving into the city again. Really? <laughs> yeah, because we've got I've got two kids now, and um, I'm on tour for four to six months a year. And my wife's at home by herself with two kids and being isolated out in the forest, you know, she wants to be close to her friends and our family where we can have help, you know, help with the kids basically because she's still breastfeeding and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we're, we're selling that and we're going to move closer to the city to be closer to our mates basically. So, yeah, that was... But well, eventually we'll go back there. But you know, she's a city girl. She grew up in Singapore. So oh, really? Yeah, she's a Singaporean. So to her, the city is like just natural. It's fine. She loved being in the forest, but it, and she wants to stay there. But we just can't. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. I mean, <laughs> Australia is. Uh, I've, I've spent a year in Australia actually. Oh yeah, and, cool. Uh, Where did you go? I started out in Sydney, and then uh, I did the, the backpacker tour. Basically, went went up the east coast ended up getting a job on Magnetic Island off the coast of Townsville. Cool. And I uh, was a bartender there for like half a year. And cool. Rode around a little scooter. That's where I discovered that silence and nature and just natural beauty that that's better than being in a concrete it's jungle, busy. you know? Exactly. I agree. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, I've always felt like that too. I've always had a bit of a naturalistic approach in my the way I, I feel like. I've always loved being in parks. I loved being away from yeah all the busy hustle and bustle. But at the same time, when I was a street performer, I was living in a van in the city, on the daily grind in the sweaty, stinky cities. You know. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. No, that's where the opportunities are, where the jobs are, and yeah, where the yeah. where the money is to keep living. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the I think the excuse me the biggest thing of living in the city is that, uh, and that's also in some of your songs. There's a risk of like, getting stuck in a, in a mode where you just kind of killing yourself to live to quote Ozzy yeah and, um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing this the podcast but I'm also into photography and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make things work to, to get my own thing going yes yeah. because, because people people like you are really inspiring to me personally because like you created your own path and you're walking down that and and you were successful doing that and that's I have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone who actually manages to do that. Thank you. And uh, yeah, it's it's very inspiring to me because you, I mean you're you're free to do what you want. You're sort of kind of within the constraints of being your own boss because I guess you got to you're the one who decides what what's going to happen, and that's pretty that, much that can go two ways, you know. There's also a level of um, you know I have to compromise with certain things. Some yeah. things you just can't you know have it your way especially when you're working with other people like my manager Cade we kind of lock heads sometimes because we're both we both have strong opinions about things and we both kind of you know so but that's not to say we have a bad relationship in any way shape or form we have a really loving relationship we're like brothers we've known each other since we were 15 no, you know, brothers fight sometimes exactly yeah. and also because we've known each other so since we were 15 we both went from being children all teenagers but like we were pretty much kids you know what I mean to being adults and now I'm a father you know like we've, we've there's been a long process that we've 
So, you know, but um, yeah, as far as like the whole development thing is, you know, I mean, it's funny. I don't really, it's such a long drawn out process. And I guess I'm good at seeing where things, where opportunities lie. And I think the most important thing has always been surrounding myself with a good team. Okay. You know, that's pretty, and it, but the, the team that I need, not just a bunch of, but people that I don't need who are cool, you know what I mean? That doesn't really help either. You gotta just be make sure that the, the right people for the job around you who are good people, you know, that's often hard to find, hard, hard to gauge. I've made some shitty choices, you know, had people around me that weren't the right people, but you live and you learn, you know? Okay. So I think, uh, do we, do we need to cut it short? All right. Uh, well, if there's uh, one thing you could say uh, to my audience, what, what would it be? Like one, one word of advice, one message that you'd want to get across? Or? Don't settle for being a shittier version of yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just be the best version of yourself you can always be and don't settle for less. That's, I think, you should, and you should, it's a constant thing. You should always be searching to improve at all times. You might, I used to do like loads more exercise and stuff. Now I do Wim Hof training, you know, Wim oh, Hof, yeah. the Dutch the guy. Crazy Dutchman. Crazy Dutchman. Yeah. The Iceman, I do cold showers every day and I do his breathing exercises every day. You know, um, I used to meditate a bit more. I don't meditate so much, but I'm always searching for things that can center myself and make me make better decisions. I'm always looking for the best version of myself. And I think that without that, there's no point. What's the point? You know, society will just go down the drain. We all should be putting our hands to heads together and our hands together to try and put as much positive and uplifting messages and energy into the world as possible. All right. Well, thank you. And, and one to, to uh, close out, like where can people find you on, on the website and social media and all that? Yeah, well, you go to dubfx.com, dubfx.com, dubfx.com. No, that's where you get all my links to everything, but I'm on everything from Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, um, iTunes, you know, Bandcamp is a good one because, you know, less money goes to iTunes basically they, they take bigger cuts and all that sort of stuff if you want to help support me but at the same time it doesn't bother me go on to Spotify and download it there whatever alright ladies and gentlemen <laughs> Dove FX thank Come you so much gigs. no yeah. you're welcome thanks for having me man cheers right. thank you cool that was fun thank you man thank you alright that's it ladies and gentlemen for this episode go to thepolarizer.com to get more background information on this episode and every other episode and you can see some photos that I took before the show started up the sound check. It's pretty cool. And while you're at it, sign up for the newsletter so you never miss an episode. You get an email every time a new episode is uploaded. Usually happens uh, once or twice a month, so you won't get spammed at all. And while you're there, also click on the Amazon button to give us a little kickback whenever you buy something on Amazon. It doesn't cost you anything extra and helps the podcast going. Also, check the Alert app on the iOS App Store. That's A-L-L-E-R-T. And check it out if you're traveling and you have a food allergy or you know someone who has that and you can tell them all about it. And if you go to onnit.com, that's O-N-N-I-T.com, use the promo code Polarize to get up to 10% off your order. So be sure to look up DubFX on the internet, look him up on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and, and all that. You can uh, find his music there and photos. And also thanks to, uh, thank you Chris, thank you Kate. You guys really helped me set this up and um, yeah, it was nice working together. And I hope we'll uh, see each other 
in the future somewhere. So uh, thanks. Really appreciate your time. And uh, really appreciate you all listening to the show and telling your friends about it. So I wish you all the best. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.